Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. And welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. Today, we're going to talk about how to land multiple job offers, even if the odds are against you. And we're going to do that by discussing the story from an amazing individual. Her name is Sonal Ball. Sonal is not your typical career coach. She's an experienced HR director and career strategist with a career spanning nearly two decades in senior HR positions. She's lived and worked in Chile, Belgium, France, India, and Uruguay. She's helped recruit, build, and evolve highly talented teams for large companies such as GE and PwC, mid-sized family-owned firms and startups, Believe it or not, she's reviewed over 250,000 resumes and conducted over 5,000 interviews. She holds her MBA from INSEAD, one of the leading business schools in the world. But what's most exciting is that she has been through challenges as a job seeker. You'll hear from somebody who has been there before and who was able to implement best practices to land five job offers during a recession. You'll hear stories that bring those practices to life that we will cover during this episode. So without further ado, this is our episode of the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. Sonal, welcome to the show. How the heck are you? I am doing amazing, ecstatic to be here. I'm trying not to say excited because everyone says excited. I'm, ec- <laughs> I'm ecstatic to be here. Good. I realized one podcast, I used to say the word fantastic a lot. I just, fantastic, fantastic. So I think I switched it to spectacular because it's good to switch things up every once in a while. It is, so. it is. And I think I spoke with my kid today. How was your day? And he was doing some educational stuff on his iPad. And mm-hmm. I kept disturbing him. In he quotes. said, yeah. And I said, how was your day? He just wanted me out of his way. So what he said was, Mama, it was stupendous. Can you leave me now? Oh, look at that. <laughs> I'm doing stupendous, Chris. Thank you for asking. <laughs> That's the first time I've heard that. And I was just reading your story on, on Thrive Global. And I just think your story is so amazing. And it, it really is enlightening. So tell us a little bit about that time when you were graduating with your MBA and had the challenge as a job seeker. I think people deserve to hear this. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think it's very normal, Chris, when you invest in something like a stock or a company or anything, you want to see a return on investment. It's a very normal instinct. So when you invest in your education and you're about to go out into the jobs market, you expect to see a return on investment. And that is what I did. This is way back in 2008 when I decided to, you know, it's a gamble to do, you know, to go in for higher studies. I was very clear I wanted to do an MBA and I was very clear it had to be from this particular school because it's a global school. You know, all the languages and the cultures and no nationality is more than 12% of the entire class. I loved all of that stuff. So when you're like, you know, it's all been built up, then you go in. I found it very challenging time, actually. We don't talk about this. I came from a humanities and arts background. I had studied sociology uh, in the year 2000, so even before, seven years before the MBA program. So it took a lot of adjustment to learn financial accounting, bonds, macroeconomics. It was a whole different animal. So I was like, I've got to do what it takes to graduate. I'm so not going to make the dean's list. 
doesn't matter doesn't matter there's a stamp effect a lot of people say that you know graduation and you know masters programs are a waste of time waste of money i think it's what you make of it i wanted that stamp Agreed. effect i wanted doors opened that i knew would they be open to me without the mba without the stamp effect probably but it would have probably taken longer you know because there's a certain okay. access so it was okay challenging and i also made a, a rather idiotic decision to go there with a newborn baby so it was pretty intense that is tough oh my gosh it was intense to say how did you have any time to do anything you know the only thing i remember back then is i did not have a smartphone because it was 2008 (laughs) i can tell you if i had a smartphone i would have been very distracted (laughs) so sometimes those scarcity are you know sometimes they're good because they force you to get organized. So I think I've never been more organized in my entire life than when I was back then. So it was like, okay, do okay. whatever it takes to graduate. Not the easiest of subjects to learn, but there were certain subjects I loved, like leadership, groupthink, you know, uh, decision making, a lot of the, you know, I organizational behavior. So you got to do some cherry picking as well. Once you go through the rough patch, which is the first few in the US, you have a two year MBA. So the first year you go through it, it can be rough, then it gets easier. So mm-hmm. okay, that's what I did. So I, I want to take this to the side just a little bit, because I know there are a lot of people who are either really desiring to get their MBA or in the middle of getting it right now. It, can you tell me with the MBA, what should I expect? And it's there's always the question, like, is the MBA worth it? And I believe it is. And obviously, you wouldn't be doing it if you didn't think so. But I just wanted to hear your thoughts on the importance of getting an MBA and who it's right for. Yeah, that's a great question. I actually have a very, very detailed video on my YouTube channel on it. And I'll, I'll link it up because I go into like 10 minutes of speaking. But I'll tell you a quick recap of that. I think your before and after matter. So your before, if you have no idea what you want to do in life, will an MBA help you to get there? Maybe, maybe, maybe not, right? And particularly if you do a program which is in Europe, you don't have the luxury of time. So, you know, it cannot be a completely like, it's life, people say life changing. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. It's what you make of it and what your goals are. So if... Your goals typically will fall into one of the three categories. And in this case, they were definitely for me. I wanted a change of either geography, function, industry. In my case, I wanted to keep the function because, you know, recession and all of that stuff. It's a big gamble. It was 2009. So wanted to be in a new geography. I'd lived in South America before, wanted to work in Europe, wanted to be in a completely different industry. I was coming from consulting, from PricewaterhouseCoopers. I wanted to be in actual industries that actually make something. So an MBA can definitely help you with that. And it also helps. Everybody talks about network and alumni and all of that stuff. That I have to say, Chris, for me, took a while. I was sort of, I went into my own shell during the MBA because I just felt I was not confident enough. I wasn't good enough like the others. Like I told you, there were certain subjects that I felt I was behind. So I didn't milk it as much as I could in the first few years after graduation. But after that, like, you know, clubs, etc., that you're a part of alumni associations, that is amazing. And that we're talking ROI for the rest of your life. Yes, that network that you build. And I'll say the same. I've not got my MBA, but even going through getting my undergrad, I'll tell you that my network has really continued to impact me to this day, even 10 years later after meeting some of these people. So thank you for bringing that to light. And also just being being honest, being real with people, because people are really wondering out there, you know, is this right for me? 
So going back to that time in the recession, you were graduating with your MBA. I'm sure it was very scary. How did we land these job offers? What were you thinking at that time? And what were the first steps you were taking? Yeah, yeah, the scary is uh, an understatement because uh, like I told you, the challenges, but also I didn't have any work permits. So anyone who wanted to hire me had to sponsor me, which we're talking about an additional administrative burden and zero network. Talk about network. I didn't know anyone in Europe, like literally didn't even speak the local language. So it was like, okay, these are the problems. These are the challenges. We all have challenges. What are you going to focus your energies on? Because for me, it was very clear. I need to milk this baby. (laughs) I need to get out. I need to graduate. And I want to recoup the investment because it was a lot of money for us. Yeah. Life savings. Oh my went, gosh. Yeah. Life savings went into the living costs. And, you know, we, we uh, took a, a family loan. And Indian families, they'll never take the money back. Anyway, it was always in my head that, okay, this is a lot of money. So, one thing I was very clear on was you got to know what you want and you got to know what you don't want. So, Chris, a lot of advice I'm going to share today. I don't think it's brand new information. You know, you have a career podcast. I'm pretty sure there's nothing you've not heard before. I just want the listener to think and apply this to their own context and customize it. So for example, when I say don't follow the herd, it's like for me, everyone was signing up McKinsey, Deloitte, BCG, Booz. That is the school. That The school is known for this factory that produces amazing consultants and they are supplied to all these top names. I went through a couple of case interviews, etc. And I was like, neither am I good at it. And neither do I like it. Both. So just... You're honest be- with yourself. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think when you don't do something well, it tells you, hello, the universe is giving you feedback. Don't do it. <laughs> to pick into that, though, like what if I do really, really want to do something, but I just haven't hit my stride yet? Like how do I differentiate between knowing whether I was destined to not do this thing or I just need to work at it a little bit harder? Oh, okay. That's a good question. I think there's two ways you can do that. The first is feedback that is repeated. You see patterns in the feedback, then it's telling you something. So if, you know, if I goof up on one interview, that's okay. It's a one-off thing. But if that's happening again and again and again, and there happen to be these type of interviews for these type of companies, it's possible I don't have potential for that. And the second is our instinct, which is the voice of reason. And when we don't want to listen to it, we say out loud that it's wrong, but actually it's always right and it's guiding us. So when you you know go into these interviews and you have that sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach, there's two feelings. The one is the excitement and it's expansive. Like it gives you happy thoughts, even if they're a little scary, but they're generally taking you to your happy place. The other one is just kind of, it's almost like it's giving you a stomachache. They're physical, like somatic signs that are there. And the instinct is basically like, can you hear me now? (laughs) So I I, I don't know. I hope that helps. That's really good. And so not following the herd, I should say one really great thing you did. And something that I was reading in one of your pieces of content was you tell job seekers to focus on their strengths and not necessarily their weaknesses. I look at both. I tend to look at both in my own life. But why do you say that? And what does this look like practically for job seekers? I think that it's very clear when you're going into, let's say, battle, you're going into a battle, you do need to know offense and defense. Obviously, you need to know both. I feel like When your offense is stronger, you take people by surprise. So when you know your strengths 
and you practice them on a regular basis, you know, you're not showing off, you're not being arrogant, you're leading with what you're strong at. I think what happens is, it's like the wind is on your back, and it's helping you. And it doesn't feel uphill anymore. I, my God, I've used so many metaphors today. I'm, I'm, it's, it's hilarious. So <laughs> why, yeah, why is that helpful? Let's not kid ourselves, Chris. Interviewing and then, you know, resumes and then salary negotiation. This is hard stuff. It's not comfortable. You know, I don't know anyone who wakes up and says, yes, I have three job interviews tomorrow. I can't wait. Like, I don't know anyone who's ever said that, right? So things are already uncomfortable. Mm. You feel judged, you feel evaluated, you're sweating, you're like, I hope they mm. don't see my sweat. Oh, I made a, you know, a typo error. Hello, let's eat grandma. The comma was in the wrong place. No, you're right. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you feel like you're under a microscope anyway. Instead of that, because you know what they say about our energy, focus goes where energy flows. What if we focused on what we bring to the table? Because the person in front of us also has weaknesses. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about the company's weaknesses. We're not talking about the fact, for example, they haven't made real profits since 2019. The company's only focusing on what they're strong at. And guess what? When you get hired, <laughs> the curtains are drawn. That's when the proverbial shizzle hits the fan and you're there for a month. You're like, oh, things looked like really good on the outside right? So focus on what you bring. And you've got to know yourself really well. If it means taking a couple of personality tests, do it. There's some free ones out there. High Five is, is free. Strength Finder, which is now Clifton Strengths, which is part of the Gallup family is $20. That gives you an idea. What I don't like to do is just take these tests and then memorize them. And that's it. Could it take them and personalize them with real stories, real examples on how, okay, this is actually a strength of mine. I strive. Like if I were to say this to you, Chris, I thrive in chaos. You give me a messy situation. I'm one of those people that will just put my ducks in a row and get things like that gives me energy. A company will be like, wow, this is music to my ears. So if you're focusing on that as opposed to, you know, attention to detail can be an issue for me. No, I mean, most of the time when we focus on our weaknesses, they sabotage us. I would say so too. And I hate the dreaded question, like, what is your greatest professional weakness? And I've practiced it before, but I still struggle to say it. And I would say, heck yeah, like, let's figure out what our strengths are so we can play a better offense. Because if we're playing better offense, then you're going to differentiate yourself from the other job seeker who may not be so confident in themselves or confident in what they're good at. And so telling job seekers right now to get clear on what those strengths are and to focus more on them, I think is really good advice, Sonal. Yeah, absolutely. And if you have a, a minute, can I maybe I have a structure for the tell me about your weaknesses. Would it be helpful to get into that? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay, it's a very simple acronym. It's five letters, flaw, but with a PH. So P-H-L-A-W. So P stands for past weaknesses. And if you get this question repeatedly, maybe, you know, you know, you can say, you know what, I used to struggle with public speaking and I worked on it. I watch YouTube videos. I joined Toastmasters. So it's in the past. It's done. H is hard skills. We all have something which is, you know, teachable, which is a so-called hard. I don't like the word hard, but, you know, soft and hard. Mm -hmm. And you're working on it. For example, I know this role requires French, my French is intermediate, so I'm working on mm. it. You know, so that's less judgmental. You feel less sort of under the microscope, or you know, I'm learning Java or I'm learning SQL Server or some language, and you're focused on that. So the main thing to say is you're working on it. And the LAW is the tricky one. And unless you practice it, I would say don't go there. And that stands for livable, acceptable weaknesses. That means mm. that you know mm -hmm. yourself really well. 
on one hand on the other hand you also know the job so the thing that you're going to say is not going to shoot you in the foot so for example if i know that the role is an individual contributor and for example maybe i struggle with conflict conflict you know conflict avoidance and anytime you see a confrontation you feel like you withdraw in a shell now if someone were to ask that and if you were to share that you know for a fact there is no team leading scope in this role there are ways to do it but i like this approach and i've shared it with my clients and i've shared it on youtube because this can trip us no matter how well we're prepared so i like steps and i like structure to you know go from chaos to clarity I love that so much and an easy way for people to remember it. And I like the example, like livable, acceptable weaknesses here because you don't want to be applying for a cold caller position and being like, I hate just meeting new people and talking to new people. So... Or it's an accounting it's, role and you're like, I don't love numbers. I'm like, get out. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. So Sonal, LinkedIn is something that I wanted to talk about. And I'm thinking back to 2009, okay, like the recession. LinkedIn was a baby, I think, at that time. Did you use LinkedIn as a part of your job search back then? And how would you say it's evolved for job seekers? Dude, LinkedIn has changed my life. And we are talking 2006. I had just moved to Chile. LinkedIn was a newborn baby. I didn't know anyone. And we had just moved from Uruguay to Chile. And a quick, quick story there, because I did a search on LinkedIn. I had opened up my account in December 2005. You know, basic dump of you know education and work experience very basic and I did a search and I remember I think back then you could search on where the person is from like origin country or their nationality I don't know but I remember looking who is in Chile who used to live in Uruguay and I found this guy reached out he said sure let's connect gave me his phone number and we said let's do lunch and then my husband said why don't I come along and I said that's great so that guy brought his fiance we had lunch nothing happened after that forgot about it completely Four or five months later, I get a call from PricewaterhouseCoopers and it turns out that his fiance's dad was a partner at PwC. What? 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 So they interviewed me. The Kidding entire me. thing was in Spanish. It was ridiculous. And I was like working really hard mm. in the meantime on my language skills. Wow. Point is now because of that and because of this job I had applying to business school and then coming to Europe. All of this wouldn't have happened because I suddenly looked international, like my resume looked international. And what does that mean? One phone call, one phone call, one personalized connection request to this guy who I didn't know out of the blue. And it's funny we're talking today because I literally made a post today on LinkedIn on the power of personalization. And I was sharing some interesting stats. I had 500, and I'm very ashamed, I had 565 pending connection requests in my inbox. Chris, you and I were chatting last week. I was nursing the worst cold. So I was like, not even like able to read these messages (laughs) without my eyes watering. So Mm -hmm. uh, I cleared them up last night. Out of these 565, can you guess how many were personalized? Okay, if I had to guess, I would say 15, 20%. (laughs) So out of these personalized, uh, so I got 30. So listen, three, zero, 30, which had a note. And I don't mean percent, 30 requests had a note. 30 had a note. Out of the 30 that had a note, 16 of those 30 were actually copy paste. Hello, dear. (laughs) 
Hello, so the no, name no. wasn't even in there. Was, Hello, the, first, was the name? Hello, first name, last name. No. Or I found you on LinkedIn and I would love to connect so we can add value to each other. What does that even mean? So what you does can add tell value mean? Copy paste. <laughs> yeah. Or we can uh, help each other's network. Or it was just ridiculous. So those were six. And re, which means the remaining 14 were actually like thought, like somebody actually applied like half a brain to them. So 14 out of 565. So that's not even 2%. Oh, gosh. So the lesson there is... And I wrote there, what if this was like, I mean, I'm coming close to the limit, 30,000 limit connection request. What if I were a hiring manager? What if I were a sales prospect for someone, right? What a difference this makes. So the lesson is two lessons. Number one, personalization is the new black. Preach it. Preach it. Personalization is the new black. And number two, standing out is easier than you think. If you look at those people who sent me personalized connection requests, they weren't fantastic. They were okay. I just saw your YouTube channel. I really liked it. It was very kind of basic um, effort. But they stood out because (laughs) 500 and, you know, 40 didn't even bother to do that. So the bar is so low that you want to attract someone's attention on LinkedIn. The bar is so low. And people say personal branding is really hard and you have to make relationships and networking. Oh, my God, I'm so tired. I need a cup of tea. Actually, no. It's just a breeze. So I wish more and more people would start doing this. I agree. And so I see the low-hanging fruit there for listeners is get active on LinkedIn, even if you feel like it's something that might intimidate you or something that it's just you've been procrastinating for a long time on it. And use the personal request feature, like actually put a note for people and find out a little bit about that person before, you know, even saying something because it's a lot easier than it looks. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just gonna get into another metaphor here. It's really funny because you said low hanging fruit and I use this today with a client. Sometimes the low hanging fruit is not the sweetest. The best fruit sometimes you need to climb a little bit, Mm. but it's worth it. That peach compared to the peach on the floor, that peach has way more sugar. (laughs) (laughs) It's way sweeter. So it's just a little teeny tiny bit of effort and it's so worth it. And another thing I want to say, Chris, is if I hadn't been active and regular on LinkedIn, you wouldn't have reached out to me. It is just so... All my podcast guests on LinkedIn, like all of Um, them come from either LinkedIn or something like that. I don't know how else they would find out. So No, I completely, I mean, with my podcast guests as well, I think 99.9% of the ones I've pitched to, they all said yes, because they've seen that this person is real. You know, she's not messing around. So I've been following your page on Instagram as well, because, you know, I think Daniel, I think your colleague. Marketing director. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he makes these funny, you know, memes. So I was like, I'm going to wait. Please don't think this is arrogant because I saw the caliber of guests on your show and I was like, I'm going to wait after a certain point. If they don't reach out, I'd love to reach out to them anyway, because I feel like this would be a very similar audience and we have a lot in common. And look what happened. You reached out. And that is the power of just showing up and you don't have to be getting overwhelmed and you're listening to this girl in Brussels. What does she know? I have really hard, like life is hard right now. Don't make content if you don't have time. Just write a comment maybe 10 minutes a day, three comments a day where, you know, you're, I call it other OPT, other people's traffic. It's very hard to get traffic to you when we think of like digital economy and, you know, entrepreneurship. Doesn't matter, you know, piggyback on other people's traffic. They already have the eyeballs. So if it's a hiring manager that you're attracted to or that company, 
write something meaningful write something chunky rather than hey great post i agree <laughs> like what is that done it's done nothing if you give me zero yeah. effort as a person who wrote that post i will give you a zero response i love that that makes so much sense out of the times that i've engaged with people i have always and i mean like actually engaged not just a great post not like but actually read what they're saying on the post and look at the content and like what they're trying to convey with that content it's just been so much more fruitful and more meaningful so i will back you up on that and it's also good to know that our instagram was a way to get you engaged and really it got you going so that's yeah, great i decided at some point to not put all my eggs in one basket because you know linkedin can be like this angry ex girlfriend sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. the post suddenly 3000 people or 20000 people see your post the next day it's 40 so right <laughs> so sonal let me ask you you're a career strategist one of the things you do is help give people tactical advice on landing a job essentially so i'm sure you've given so much advice out there on podcasts but i'll ask you what is one piece of advice that you have either not given or rarely given on a podcast for people to land a job I want it to be so memorable but I think I'm just going to have to stick to simple know what you want and don't stop till you get it it's not as easy as it sounds a lot of us are still figuring that out so you know anybody who says you know when you're a kid what do you want to be when you grow up we know we don't stop growing up i'm 42 i'm still figuring things out i'm still pivoting learning every day so the know what you want evolves with time but you still got to know it and uh, you know chris with pod i mean it's such a great example with the podcast it's it's hard in the early days you just you just want to give up i'm like what's the point no one's listening so when you keep showing up when no one is listening no one is reading no one is watching your mm. stuff you keep pushing through obviously i don't mean like it's not working you need to get feedback right there's speed <laughs> is as go back to your earlier point right yeah, yeah. You, speed is as important as direction you don't want to go you know you want to go to yemen but you're actually driving to lebanon no come on we need both but the stopping and giving up is something i'm guilty of in the past with the youtube channel i just like oh it's too much hard work six views six views that was a week of my life and i yeah, got six yeah. views so if you can put that ego to the side and i don't mean this on a content creation point of view i also mean this from the point of view of attracting someone's attention or they said no that's okay that means no not right now it doesn't mean never so the giving up thing and the knowing what you want and not stopping till you get it is highly underrated and it's so attractive in a person Thank you for saying that. And thank you for also saying that it's underrated because it's just so true. I think if people job seekers whoever actually lived by that, then they would find that their lives are changed and I've not been perfect. One of my strengths that I find is my ability to just keep trying and trying until I probably shouldn't try no more if I'm being honest, but that dogged persistence really and i haven't been perfect i've given up on things when i know i shouldn't have when i know that it should be a part of my dream only to say okay i need to go back to this and, and keep trying but i think it's something that if people were to live by it and to have the energy doing it and to be happy and, and healthy mind you i think health and is the first most important thing for people to have even over persistence but to have that foundation and then to keep trying i think is one of the best things that people can do and i think people will be happier for so, sure for sure and i'm smiling because um i don't know why i'm suddenly thinking of insee do, do you know insee winsee spider 
But you look at the words, it's basically like down came the rain and washed the spider out. And like the, the spider just doesn't give up the creepy, annoying little thing. <laughs> so you, sometimes you just got to be a creepy little insect. <laughs> because I think if the, la- the last be line was... Be a creepy was, little insect. Came, yeah. They say you're stop bugging me. You got to be a bug sometimes. Yeah. You got to bug whether it's bugging uh, the right people for what you want because you're so sure that you deserve to get that position or you're bugging yourself because I can tell you that voice I was talking about, we get bullied a lot. No, don't bother Chris. Don't apply. No, no, don't ask that guest. She's going to say no. No, 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 no. Just leave it. It wants to mm. keep us safe. But you got to be a bug. You got to be a, a spider. I'm going to write that down. Don't be afraid to be a bug. Don't be afraid to be a little insect who's just persistent. I think I might draw that out and hang it on my my desk can, right here. I so. can see your marketing director mm. making an Instagram reel on it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Daniel, there's your hint right there. So now let's finish up the story here that we started in the beginning when it was the recession and you apply these strategies to your life. What ended up happening in the very end? What ended up happening in the very end, in spite of a very poorly confident woman in a place where she didn't have permission to work and all of that crazy stuff, I managed to get five offers from blue chip companies here in Europe. And I actually had the luxury of choice. This is astounding to me. And I still find it hard to believe that this happened in the middle of a recession. But honestly, applying a lot of the strategies, and I'm you know happy to also let you enclose the article on Thrive Global because it goes into much more detail. I just feel like if I could do it in 2009, like the listener, like you can do it in 2021 and beyond. That's amazing. And you said the luxury of having multiple options. And that's a good call out because there are people would be like, gosh, she had this and I would kill just to have one, you know, people who, who feel that way. But I think what you did was amazing. And I am just really glad that you take your mission really is to help other job seekers to be successful and to use these strategies so they can get the same success. So thank you for that. And all the more power to you. Seriously. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I don't want the listener to get the wrong impression. It's never a happily ever after, right? So I worked two years after that. I got laid off. I've been laid off multiple times, actually, in Europe without a work permit. It's not easy. So it's one of those things that I'm intimately familiar with. So anyone who's like, yeah, this is not going to work for me. Yeah, this is not a lot of these uh, tricks and strategies are not relevant for me. Just ask yourself, are you fighting for your strengths? Or are you fighting for your limitations? Because We know which one we need to listen to, but I wanted to say that because things are hardly ever as rosy as they seem. Sonobal, you've been an excellent guest. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to ask you two questions. First of all, so Instagram, LinkedIn, what's your preferred? How can people find you? Oh, thank you for asking. LinkedIn is my favorite and I have a YouTube channel with like almost 80,000 subscribers. You're very welcome to join. Let's go. Very active, very active there. Awesome. And that's just great to because like how you started it, like when you start posting on YouTube, you get six views, but it just getting persistent and, and making it happen. That's how this podcast actually grew. We had very few listeners in the beginning. You got to be consistent. Yeah. The second question, anything you would like to promote for listeners and, and just in general, what are you up to right now? Oh, yeah. Thank you for asking. I'm always working on, you know, workshops, trainings and things like that. So they're very welcome to follow me on LinkedIn. I'm more active on LinkedIn than I am on my own website. My own website is like, you know, <laughs> it's been months. <laughs> <laughs> hey, being honest. <laughs> so 
Okay. I always make the same guarantee. I'm sure I sound like a broken record to my listeners, but I'll make sure to include any relevant links from this episode, as well as how to get in touch with Sonalball on the description of this podcast. So make sure to check that out if you are not jogging or driving. That's what I tell people. Sonal, any last final words of wisdom for people you'd like to leave on this podcast? Stop trying to fit in in a certain mold when you were born to stand out. Dr. Seuss, just don't fit in when you were born to stand out. So just accept that unapologetically and go for it. There's a lot of power waiting for you on the other side. Great way to round out this podcast. Thank you so much for joining us and I'll see you next time. Thank you for having me. All right, listeners, this wraps up today's episode of the Let's See Grandma Career Warrior podcast. Got some amazing insights, and I always love to get and capture the stories of other people. In fact, I think storytelling is one of the most powerful ways to teach and show and illustrate things that you can take away. And I was really appreciative of Sonal's advice and what she brought to the table today. And I'd recommend really using these strategies that were discussed today, using LinkedIn, using the focus on strengths instead of weaknesses. But also at the same time, remembering to get clear with what you want and to never stop trying. I think that was one of my favorite things that I heard today during this recording. Listeners, make sure to follow both of us on LinkedIn. Tag us. Let us know what you thought about this episode. That's one of my favorite things. I am Chris Villanueva, CPRW on LinkedIn. And you can also find Sonal's LinkedIn on the description of this podcast. So that wraps it up for today. Can't wait to see you next time. Take care. Career Warrior Podcast. And for more on your job search, please make sure to check out Let's Eat Grandma's website at letseatgrandma.com forward slash CWP. That's where you can find her blog, attend job seeker events, and learn more about her awesome resume services. Let me just say, I'm happy you're subscribed on Apple or Spotify, but you are missing out if you haven't seen the additional resources on our website. Once again, that's letseatgrandma.com forward slash CWP. And please don't forget to leave a review. The support from my fellow warriors is what will help me get noticed and what will help the algorithm so other job seekers can discover us too. I promise I read all the reviews and you will just make my day. That's all. I'll see you next episode this Monday morning.